Welcome to the Thinking Church podcast with Lee Button and me, Chris Bright. Thinking Church exists to help your church thrive by helping you think through key strategic topics of church life. Each week we'll be tackling a different subject of church life and we'll be joined by some special guests along the way. So if you like this podcast, why not give us a like, give us a rating and give us a review as well. So without further ado, get your thinking caps on and let's get on with this week's episode. Can you see the wiki? Yes, yes he can. Oh, that's not. It's actually really, really nice that it comes up on the phone now so nicely. It is nice, isn't it? All our notes are all in one place. It's worth letting you know that we are now recording. I just wanted to hear you. Oh, you know, I've just, navigate just seen teams. that up the top. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, it's fine. No, yeah. I think Such the listeners, is. the listeners will love to hear this unless I uh, um, cut this out, which I could do. But in reality, will I? Because I think everyone wants to hear. This is the stuff that people want to hear. I mean, they obviously want to hear. The ten things we've learned in 2020, but more importantly, they want to hear you navigating your way through Microsoft Teams. And uh, yeah, the oh, is it? yeah, I, I, I like the idea that actually this is the bit that allows people to understand and learn more about us personally. That the behind the scenes, because let's face it, it's normally at the end of the year that you're more likely to get a blooper reel. But you know, for your benefit, listeners, we just leave them in all the time. Yeah, every week, every week we talk about chestnuts and did we do movies back to chestnuts chris you've got to let it go well here's the thing i've not had any chest you know we are on christmas time i've not had any where where are the chestnuts i've not actually been to a supermarket in i don't know how long so i think i but then i've gotten you know how do you cook them in the oven how do you cook them how do you cook a chestnut in the oven like because i'm used to an open fire just like i don't have an open fire anymore just probably just in foil on a tray. I'm going to say he's probably going to do it. Essentially, I guess a fire is is a form of an oven, isn't it? You know, it's a primitive oven. Yeah, I was going to say it's like it's they're not cooked by the actual naked flames. Otherwise, the things would burn. You are talking about just using the heat from a fire. It's a good point because I do put them in foil. So essentially, I could just put them in the oven, couldn't I? Here well, I am. Pretty much. There we go. By all of this, you see, Chris. But do you get the flavour of the wood, the flavour of the flame? No, so no. this is it. This is like this is like people. Is this is this like gas barbecues? It's like no, it's not the same. Not the same. Sorry, are you a gas bar? No, I mean, this is a terrible conversation to have in middle of December. Um, are you a gas barbecue man or a um, you know charcoal only? He's got charcoal. Okay. Okay, yeah. so you you're more likely to invest in you know you know one of those uh, green egg-shaped ones rather than oh like our american things. friends seem to have it's like yes it's uh yeah the big the big green egg that's uh, but they're a smoker rather than a than a barbecue oh okay what's the difference does it cook meat so because that yeah oh yeah to be fair having having meat that's been cooked on a big green egg uh is just something else um uh, i other... do apologize for the vegetarians that are listening right yes. now and it's worth saying that uh, other other smoking devices are available, not that kind of smoking, but for purposes of meat. And here I am digging a hole. Yeah, I've literally just <laughs> dug a, a worse hole. So not only are we, we are not sponsored by any barbecuing uh, material, although we can be. If you you know, 
if you're listening to this, <laughs> yeah. Big Green Egg, we will take your sponsorship money um, because, well, you know, that would be great. I'd happily talk about barbecues for five minutes. That'd be great. Thinking, thinking charcoal. Thinking charcoal. <laughs> yes. Right. I think on on that, I think what we should do is probably start the episode. Um, okay. So this is well, this is our Christmas yes, episode. Let's. So. So, you know, um, ding dong merrily on high and all of that. Uh, it is Christmas uh, <laughs> in 2020. We've made it to the end of the year. And I think we're all oh, relatively... Nearly, nearly. I think that one just nearly finished me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're nearly at the end of the year. And so what better time to look back over the year than now and think, okay, what have we learnt in, in 2020? So uh, what we've done is... We, we've we've picked five things each about what we've learned in 2020 and we're going to go through them one at a time have a little discussion now we probably need to keep it these brief because we've got 10 in total because we've got five each so yeah. we're, we're going to have to try and keep these to about five minutes each so it's going to be a a swift you know a swift look into these things um i've i'm going to be writing a, a, a blog tour de 10 Yes, if a you want order ten, if we want more on that, I'm going to be right. I'm writing a blog on my five. I'm trying to, uh, I'm trying to convince Lee to write a blog on his five, and um, and then it's it's a little bit further explanation, further wider reading, but we'll keep it brief. So let's Lee, let's start off with with your number one. Let's open the the advent calendar door on number one. And Lee, what's the first thing you've learned in 2020? So, uh, my my first one I've titled. This wasn't the spontaneous we meant. Okay, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to unpack that one. Okay. So I obviously like we've worked with lots of churches, we've talked to many of you out there. And one thing is is that uh, a lot of churches have said things to us like we uh we don't put too much planning in place, we don't do things, we don't want to restrict the move of the spirit, we want to remain uh spontaneous, able to adapt and do things as we need and in the flow and in the moment and then a pandemic hit and we all went that's not quite the spontaneous we meant uh actually what it really triggered was we do need good planning and we do need strategy to center us in those moments so that we know that what we are genuinely holding to and what will guide us through those moments so that we can properly steward those moves, those turbulent times, and if things come at us. Um, so whether that's a, you know, God breaking in, uh, whether that's, you know, actual moves of the spirit through what's going on, or whether that's, you know, things outside of our control, um, or even outside of our influence, when we're talking about pandemics and lockdowns, actually, this wasn't the spontaneous that we meant. And I think actually it's helping people really uh, make sure that they've got like a, a central line through what they do that is the supporting strategy, the the why. We're, we're there even in number one today, Chris. Why, some principles of how we operate, all there at the start. That's that's really what has helped people land this. Yeah, I, I think it's really interesting how you phrase that because you know, if that's the, this is, wasn't the spontaneous we meant, that's not spontaneity. You know, if you're, if you've put a box around what spontaneous looks like, yeah. you know, so, you know, we often think, you know, spontaneous is often, you know, something in, in a, a service and maybe it's, you know, can be some, um, you know, uh, intriguing practices for some, some odd practices for others, but you know, the, 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 the service goes off piste. Let's, let's just say that. 
and we allow you know the holy spirit to move and we've kind of got an idea but we've kind of put that in a box and so when you know when you say holy spirit come and have your way and and do what you want to do and he says right i'm using pandemic be over by the notices yeah but be over by the notices yeah yeah so but come in and he says and the holy spirit comes in he says well okay what i'm going to do is i'm going to stop all of your services i'm going to use a pandemic to do it and you're going to have to try and find a new way to reach people that what you're absolutely right that was not what anyone when you're thinking of spontaneous and being holy spirit led that's not what we thought um but that's a really healthy thing so actually it's something to be it's the, it's the spontaneous we needed probably yeah I, I feel like i've gone out of the gate too strong now and that might only go less and less to the uh to number five for me but okay but that's the one that's the one that really hit me was yeah all of this talk about things breaking in about change and about things like that actually we wanted that still within our control and influence but ultimately underneath all of that simple things done well gave a rod that could help us navigate in all of that you know the kind of like the 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 arrow through it as it were that pulled it all together um and allowed us to 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 operate so yeah that that's that's my number that's my number one Okay, that's that's great. Let's open my actually, first... or is it the number five? Is it number five? Are we counting down? Are we counting up? Or is this just no ten in any order? It could be ten in order. So you might have started with eight. I don't know. It's you know, oh. it's let's open. Well, should we just open door number two and see what's behind that? that the... There we go. That's what we needed. Yes, door number two. This, this, yeah. Um, I feel like I've watched enough like Christmas TV shows now to know. You know when they're doing those Christmas specials. And they just, you know, they always have to do, oh, let's look behind door number two. And there's normally a celebrity talking about something or asking a question. Yeah, I'm the celebrity behind the door today uh, and I'm not a celebrity. So uh, which uh, which is good. OK, so my my first one is uh, the church is more resilient than we thought. I actually always thought that the church wasn't particularly resilient, that we had one modus operandi of how we worked, how we operated. And I'm really, I'm actually really quite pleased with how the church by and large have adapted and have been resilient throughout this period. You know, okay, we've, you know, there are some stories of some churches folding in this time, but by and large, the church in the UK and you know and the wider world has been resilient it's actually gone right we'll we'll adapt we'll change we'll we'll do what, whatever we need to do to keep serving people and and I'm really actually quite pleased about that it's more resilient than I thought it was no that's excellent yeah I I I, I, I agree with that it's actually watching how people have tried to adapt actually things that are in place that it was able to weather more we're not saying that changes didn't need to happen but we're, we're saying that actually that the, the fundamentals of how church was running and what it was there to do actually has been able to uh, persist this yeah. is that they they actually yeah and, and maybe some of those 
you know, there's been changes in other places that have led to things like, you know, mergers and collaboration. Actually, some of that maybe it's just expedited things that should have happened anyway. So it's been it's been it's been good. So, yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah, I mean, on this, there's a, there's a book that you and I both really enjoy. Uh, we we read a while back, which is uh, the Starfish and the Spider, uh, which is uh, the difference in sort of organizational structures where a, a starfish, a, a spider, sorry, is more sort of has a central head, and you know you kill the central head, and you know the whole body dies. And um, I think churches are at a, um, a church by church basis run like that we have you know there's normally a central head and what's that but i think macro if you're looking at the the church the 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 wider church it acts more like a starfish a starfish where there's no central brain so we have no you know there's no the church head office you know where do you write to if you want to speak to you know the church of jesus christ on the earth there's no there's no office for that not even the pope or the archbishop of canterbury can claim that title um so, so it operates much more as a a starfish, which has no central brain. It operates a lot more as you know. If you chop an arm off, it just grows another arm. And I, I like that thought that the church worldwide is more like that. It's resilient. Now, there's obviously the the answer. You know, the, the rebuttal to that is that a, a spider gets a lot more done than a starfish. A starfish just sort of sits on a rock. Um, Starfishes. That that yeah. Yeah, it just does <laughs> that, what it does. The purpose although, of a starfish is what it does. Although, although if a starfish clings to a rock, surely that is the most Christian thing it could do. Oh, all right. Oh dear, here we go. Oh, I think yeah. You know, it's it just what are we doing? We're just clinging to the rock. There we are. That's why we're a starfish. Yeah, think, thinking corny. Thinking corny. Yes. <laughs> I mean that is that is corny. Although, as I watched on the uh, the holiday. I watched that film last night. I'm into corny. That's the that's the one of the lines from the film. I need more corny in my life. Okay. Have you not watched that film? You uh I've 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 started it. I've not got very far ever. It's um it's so Kate Winslet says that line to uh I think his name is Eli Wallach. Who was uh, okay? I'm, I'm even going to go. Okay, it's not even the film I'm thinking of. If it's got Kate Winslet in it, so no, I've never seen it. <laughs> Okay, so so I, I'm going to give you know for the listeners quick pricey of the film. Um, Cameron Diaz is in a bad relationship, so she breaks up with her boyfriend and then wants to go on holiday to get away from it all. So she does a home swap with Kate Winslet, who's also got relationship troubles in Surrey or London, um, and so they do a home swap. So Kate Winslet goes to uh, to Americans going abroad. It's all one thing. Yes, so uh, London, so... Surrey, they're the same place. Yes, so they do. So Cameron Diaz does look at a house in the Cotswolds, and all I can say is it does not look anything like the Cotswolds. I, yeah, that was a that I mean, one of the many cultural mistakes made in this film. Um, but so they they swap houses, and then obviously you know love interests form on on other sides of the pond. And um, but what happens is is Kate Winslet's story I think is a little bit more interesting because she befriends a ninety year old man who's this kind of you know in the the movie biz and he he was a writer and all that kind of stuff and uh, he gets her watching all these old movies and uh, I don't know why why am I talking about this anyway anyway I'm going to carry on and and at one point he says uh, she she says I like corny and he goes that's a good line and uh, and and that's. That, I mean, that's not the premise of the film, and that's not the reason why you should watch it. But that's why I said it, and I don't know why we veered off topic so much 
for me to tell that. But you know what, listeners? You're welcome. Um, the church is more resilient than we thought. And um, I'm just going to segue straight back in on that one. Um, right, <laughs> Lee, let's go on to number three. Let's just open door number three. Lee, what have we got? But, uh, small and simple has its advantages. Okay, right. I let's think... unpack that. Yeah, so I, I've heard churches uh, say things like, when we, we've gone in and we said, you're doing, you're doing too much. You need to simplify what you're doing, reduce the number of projects, ministries, streams, meetings, everything, right? You need to reduce that down. And normally that's met with, but we can't. And yeah. what happened was a pandemic hit and overnight they were all culled. And actually we reduced everything. And that was where it was. Those who were already operating in a small way were able to make that transition much, much faster. Small and simple has its advantages. It creates agility, probably adds to helping with the resilience. But actually, at any time like this, scale of your church. We've seen actual small churches, churches like under 100 people, were able to do things that maybe they'd never even thought possible for something their size because it removed all of the barriers to innovation have gone. We all had a free pass to do something new and they were able to just react. So quickly they were able to do something. And that's it. Small and simple has its advantages. Having a simple structure, being light, doing things in a small way, even if you're big, you can still do things simple and you can still do things small um, even if you're a larger congregation, actually it has its advantages. And, and that that's one of the big takeaways from this. Those that were doing less found it easier to keep going with what they were doing um, and were already used to funneling resources and making things uh, work that way. So yeah, small and simple has its advantages. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, and I think that thinking about the pandemic is a great tool, mental tool for... What, you know, what programs should you cut in your church? Well, which ones did you continue to do during COVID-19? There you go. Yeah. If if it didn't make COVID-19, it shouldn't make post-COVID-19. Uh, and that is the, um, because it's that kind of simplicity of, okay, what do we really need to do to serve our congregations well, serve the people in our communities well and, you know, in our vicinity well, people online well? You know what? What do they really need? Do they really need that ministry? Well, if it's if it's not going to survive a, a pandemic, it doesn't need to survive after the pandemic. And I think this is just—it's not just that the pandemic gives a good, um, you know, uh, excuse to cut something that you were thinking. Oh, I think you know we had too many ministries, but it's a great reminder of whenever you're start, you know, whenever the church starts to add a ministry. If you think of adding a ministry, would this survive COVID? Would you have, you have done this during COVID season? No, I think probably leave it out. Look at leaving it out because it's it's got to be something that's going to be resilient, which we talked about. And when you know when we were resilient, you know, it, you go back to what's really essential and just work on essentials and and get those essentials brilliant, and you know make them that they are serving the people that they need to serve really really well. And I, so I, I really, really like it. Yeah, keep things simple. Uh, and I think that's, yeah, that's definitely a, a great way to, to think about that. Um, Excellent.
Great. Okay. So moving on. Should, should we do- open door number four? Door, door number four. four. What's behind door number four? I feel like I should have some sort of music underneath it. I'm not going to do that. Uh, not even in post-production. Um, okay. So number four is online church isn't a nice to have. It's essential. Preach. And I, yeah, I think that this is something that's before COVID. I was in the it's a nice to have. And uh, and actually, with my own church, we were moving towards having online services. But it was very much a, oh, yeah, that that seems like it would be nice to have. It would be something that would help us in the long run. But our trajectory was very much, we'll work towards it. Suddenly, COVID hits. It's essential overnight. And now, when you look at uh, how the world works, actually, online is always going to be the first step for anyone. I'm I I was writing about this so I'm writing about this for the blog that I'm doing I was li- linking it to I'm I've got into chess again um I used to be a junior chess champion when I went to uh Christian school and um which I did and um so and I've got back into playing chess because of you know watching uh, the queen's gambit uh which was excellent I enjoyed that uh, so it's got me back into playing chess. And what I realized is that I'm not very good. I'm not I'm not up to the stage of wanting to play against other people yet. I've played against my daughter um, who beats me and not, you know, she's five. Um, and um, she beats me because I, I tell her how to beat me. And that's you're like, you, you need to say now. Yeah, sure. Uh, anyway, right. So I started playing chess. But there's a, bit, there's a bit here where like, we all know Chris that behind that that she's going to thrash you at some point oh and sooner than i think yeah i think by the age of probably by the age of six in a month and she's six in a few days um so i started playing chess again and what i realized is i wasn't very good so what i didn't do was i didn't go to the chess club in gloucester there is a gloucester chess club i found out um so i didn't go to the gloucester chess club because that is scary the thought of going to a chess club and the eyes looking up at me from the boards was as I walk in and I see them all looking at me and I realized I'm not very good at chess. So what I decided to do was I just watched some videos on YouTube about how to get better. And so what did I do? I went online first. That's the big thing. And if I want, I, I'd quite like to join a chess club at some point. That would be quite fun. But I, the, I'm still in that kind of phase of just wanting to check it out online first and just, you know, investigated myself but that's how people think with church you know to think that it's actually any different there there's yeah. normally there is unanswered questions in people's lives there are things that uh they are wondering about they have they have doubts they've got um you know those you know quandaries that they are wanting to investigate and so they go online first and so churches need to have a presence online and if you know i can imagine you know if you are sharing your stream every Sunday, then people are going to come come across that and say, oh, maybe that they will be able to help me because I know my friend, you know, Jeff, he he shared the stream of, of their church. So maybe I'll check them out online. They're not going to go to the in-person service just yet. And I think that's just how the world works nowadays. And we just need to get used to it. It's an, online church is no longer a nice to have. It is essential, I think, for every single church that has a, if if there is a church that wants to reach further than the people it is currently reaching, online is an essential strategy. Yeah, no, absolutely agreed. I haven't really got anything to add to that. Well, let's, let's should we open door number five? To be fair, you know what? Door number five, I th- I think this links in 
So my 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 number five is don't live for live. And I think that that ties in with this. Actually, online is essential. Don't don't put all of it into thinking that it's it's second rate compared to in person. But actually, the other piece that I mean by this when I say don't live for live, is don't think that people are now time bound, that this has to happen at set times. Your online platform and how you are putting uh, things out there and running services is now content accessible whenever people want it. It's putting what you do on demand. So now, rather than having something out there that people can only engage with at 10.30 on a Sunday morning, and then again at five o'clock on a Sunday afternoon, you've got something that people could be watching at 3 a.m. on a Thursday. You've got something that people can be engaging with and connecting with at any time. We have moved to a content first approach. And actually the the content is what's important. And we, we've probably got to move away from thinking that it's now time bound into how people are engaging with it. People coming along are probably going to check out a few services anyway before they even met you in person. So if that even if that's possible and you're able to meet again. So yeah, don't live for live. Actually put this about creating content and content first. And from that you can extrapolate and that's when you can start to build community and do the things that you need to do. But yeah, don't live for live. Yeah, I think that's I, I really like that. And I think so. I think live has its place. And I think you'd agree that live has its place. And even yeah. li- live online has its place. So there's there'll be some things I'd follow on YouTube where some of it is the live aspect of it because but the live aspect of it isn't because the person is on the camera speaking live um, is because of the interaction is because you can post a comment and that comment will be read out and be interacted yep. with. So if you're doing something live, but there's no interaction, then it's not, it doesn't matter if it's live, really. It's just going out at a certain time. Um, so, so I think that's really helpful for churches that, you know, if you don't have that, if you don't have the technical capabilities to be able to interact and work with live and looking at the chat and all those kind of things, you know, Facebook or YouTube or however that works, then don't try to do it live. Just try and re-record it and get it done better. Think about how can that content serve people better. Um, yeah, don't don't live for life. I like that. Yeah. No, you say like, of course, live has its place. But I think that also then comes as a matter of scale. So it's like, you know, don't live for life. But, you know, even in the real world, it's we all know that sometimes, you know, you walk around with your your fingers in your ears because you don't hear the scores of sporting events and things like that because you're going to watch it later. You know full well you're watching that, you know, time lapsed and that you're seeing it at a different time. You know, that that kind of thing. Some things that scale you need to be involved with and have a live purpose. But, yeah, my, 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 my point there is it's the, the, you know, the don't live for live. It's not the be all and end all to be live. Actually, it's about creating content that puts your message out there and can engage with people. Tell me about your number six. Number six, open door number six. And it's uh, churches with online services already in play adapted faster. 
And I think this is truth. And it's, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, a, it's almost like a truism, isn't it? It's like, it's so obvious, but there are churches that already had online services in play. And you look at some of the, you know, some of the larger mega churches have that in play, but also other churches that were maybe slightly smaller had them in play as well. Uh, and what it just meant was those that already had it in play could, didn't have to work out what they were doing. They just carried on what they were already doing and they just didn't have people in the room. And I, I think this is the, the profound thought of this is, is that it means that being a church that innovates before the need to innovate because i think there's always a time when whether that's a pandemic or if that's something else there's always a time when that need becomes you know you you can either go as an early adopter or as a laggard but at some point you're going to change where laggards still have to change you know you, you know you've still got to accept you know there was a point when people started moving from you know um you know gas lights in their house to bulb you know electric bulbs you know at some point everyone changed even if you were really pro you know non electricity in your house suddenly some, at some point everyone went there and so i think that with innovation in church i think there's always going to be that thing where there's going to be something that's you you know you're going to change at some point so be if you're on the front foot and being an early adopter in these kind of things it's going to give you a greater uh agility and i use that term loosely not you know not specifically but it gives you that flexibility so that when change like a pandemic hits you are already ahead of the curve and those churches that already had online services just didn't have to change that much and um it's something i'd liken it to which is i heard um uh it was john glass who's the the former superintendent uh, of general superintendent of Elim in the UK, he said that you can either be like a, a road or a river and, it, you know, with a, with a road, if a, if a big boulder drops in the road, you've got to remove the boulder, work out what's going on, or you've got to build a new bit of road to go around this giant boulder. Whereas if you're a river, you just flow around it. And I, I think that churches that, have, uh, that are innovating and are continually on the forefront of the, of the curve, whether that's, you know, uh, technological or, or otherwise, they're able to flow with the times easier. And, and mean, what it means is that they're not spending their time trying to reinvent their wheel and go, right, now yeah. what do we do? It just means uh, they carry uh, on. Yeah, I think part of that is as well that we think that when churches are innovating, what they're actually doing is copying other churches. Whereas actually what we're talking about here and what, what you're really drawing on is actually building that in is you need your finger on the pulse of what's happening with people behavior and culture yes you need to understand what's happening outside of the church and have have your have a have a finger on that so that you you know what that is so if you've got if you've got an aging community and you know that internet or something like that isn't as prevalent then you've got a separate set of needs that you are addressing and a pandemic is enforced change that none of us asked for so, you know, that doesn't come along as often. But there's actually things there that you need to be understanding about your community in terms of how you would react if. And that's it. We don't do much scenario planning in churches to actually work out what would happen if, if and if. And looking at kind of like, you know, um, social, technical, economic, environmental kind of things um, do what we do. But now's the time to actually wake up to some of that. If you're going to be at the, if you're going to be able to 
um, innovate, if you're going to deliver new things, you don't do this looking at your peers and your contemporaries. You do this by looking wider and taking influences from what is happening elsewhere in the world. Is the thing that um, so a friend of mine is a he's a head of risk a a, a well known bank in the UK, and um, he said to me that uh, the the UK government knew for five or so years, more than five years, that the number the top risk to the UK wasn't war or terrorism; it was a global pandemic. So they've known that this is the top risk for years. And actually, what it means is that scenario planning and finding ways that we can know what are the top risks to society to and and how can we start to be thinking about. So, you know, not just risk assessing, but being actually putting plans in place to go, Okay, how are we going to be ready for that? Should that hit? Because if a pandemic was you know, we knew about this for six years as being the top risk, then we, you know, yeah, I'm not, and I'm not trying to get into what, you know, how well our government has done. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying at all. But actually, if we knew about this earlier, maybe what we as churches, we could have been a bit more prepared on that. And I, I think that's true. So yeah. So there's work that I've done predominantly with charities. And a lot of that has been um, facing um, how to adapt and put plans in place on another hot topic on Brexit. Um, and some of that was like we were looking at resilience. And um, actually, the, the information out there on uh, what your local authority in your region are looking at in terms of risk from like flooding, food shortage, um, medical shortages, pandemics, um, and whether that's, you know, global or whether that's, you know, uh, even like regional and flu outbreak and those kind of things that these are listed and freely available and people are working on these all the time. So when I came to have to do this piece of work, finding that information was one, free, yep. two, straightforward to interpret, and three, for the charity we did, so this charity, and you know, maybe we'll have to get a soundbite from them at some point because I'm not going to name them without talking to them, but they said, we'd done all of this Brexit work and put all of these things in place. When the pandemic came, basically nothing changed for them. They continued using their resilience and their continuity plan that was in place on the Brexit stuff because we'd already taken account of many of these things and had processes and tools in place to help them handle such a situation. And it was documented. So like it's it's out there i think that's the thing is that actually this stuff is out there but if we if we keep looking inward and don't take outward approaches then we'll then it, it shortens our view and we, we we can get a bit blinkered to what's going on great all right let's open door number seven door number seven right great systems are tool agnostic so i've seen churches stumble and delay making this online move with what they're doing service-wise because it's like should we use Facebook should we use YouTube do we use you know church live do we ah what process oh is it a Mac is it a PC which camera which mic which lead which connection you know uh, and literally get caught up in all of this stuff look work out what are you putting live what's the process get a great process in place if the process is right you can swap out the tools with ease 
So if you know you need to communicate, whether you're using Teams or Slack, you will have good processes and rules around how you are and principles around how you are going to communicate. And so if you make a move from Slack to Teams, like we've done and like many of our clients have done, it's a simple, simple move. The same with this. If you've got a great process in place and you know your workflow and how you're going to edit and what you're going to do and what you're going to record, if you're swapping that out, whether it's Mac or PC, YouTube, Facebook, or you're using some restream service to go out to several at a time, doesn't matter. Get the processes and the systems in place and you can be tool agnostic. Yeah, I really like that. And I think there's so much work that you can do before you have to make the decision about you know, Mac or PC or this platform or that platform. And I think that's the problem. And the the problem is, is that I think how we're, it feels like how we're hardwired as humans is that we we go, what platform should we go for first? So we start looking at the pros and cons of, okay, right, let's have a look at, you know, Microsoft Teams or let's have a look at um, Slack, for instance, as an example that you used. And what we do is we just, we go, we dive straight into the platform and we look at the pros and cons and we're looking at, okay, what's better, a Mac or a PC? And we're looking at all of these different things and we're trying to find out what, what is empirically the best. And that's the problem. None, none of these systems are empirically better than the others. It's just, it's just what's better for you and what's better for what you are trying to achieve. And that's why starting with the platform, starting with the tool is not helpful it's much better just to go okay what we're going to do is we're going to work out what we're trying to achieve why we're trying to achieve it those things first and then the tool become then you can match the tool to what you're trying to do it's the well as you would always say uh, form follows function so work out your function and then the form of how that's going to look the tool that you're going to yeah. use follows up follows I mean, this, this is following on from our, uh, our last topic we discussed on here um, about yeah you don't, don't put the structure first mm. like you've got to work out a whole number of things before you look at the structure so yeah Chris, door number eight. Door number eight. Okay, uh, it is services must change from attractional to serving needs. Um, so I think that before, so 2019, the glorious heady days of 2019, our churches were moving more towards an attractional um, method of church, which is that some some less so, but I think we were we were moving in that direction where we were trying to get everything really good and that's a really that's a good thing to have excellence in our music and excellence in our sound and excellence in our lighting and and that became quite a big focus but I think what um, 2020 has changed is that actually especially when you go online those things are just the kind of given they're just the standard and even they are not as important as we think they are that actually this is where you, you know when you were talking about don't live for life is that uh, that content is the most important thing on here. So actually, when we're thinking about content, we're thinking about, okay, if instead of going, what's the best lights to have and how can we make sure the lighting is better? I mean, I've I've seen many 
YouTube videos about having to get the right lighting for your YouTube video. In fact, it's, it's, it is nonsense. It's not a bad thing, but it's just, it's so the, the icing on the cake, it's not the cake itself. Yeah. Um, the cake itself is your content. If you've got great content, then you can actually have not as good stuff uh, around it. And you've actually, and there's so many more examples of great content with less good stuff. So we need to be working way harder on the content of our services. And that means we've got to know who we're trying to reach, who we're serving and speak to those, those needs. Um, so what I did was I, I had a quick look on, um, on Google the other day and I had a look at what's the top search terms in the UK for 2020. Can you guess what the top five are? You're not allowed to look at Google. It's a Christmas quiz now. uh, Right, one. uh, How to roast chestnuts. (laughs) Surprisingly, no. Although in the cooking one, there was how to cook an eel. It's literally the mind boggles. Go, Chris, <laughs> tell us. Okay. What, what, are these, what are these top five? Go on, okay, so, so number five was coronavirus update. Number four, okay. coronavirus symptoms. Number three, which I found really interesting, Caroline Flack. Um, number two, US election. And this okay. is in the UK, remember. So the US election was the second most searched term on Google in the UK, US election. Number one was just coronavirus. So three out of those five are to do with coronavirus. So we're looking at, so what are people thinking about? They're thinking about health. They're thinking about the freedom of their lives. And and interestingly, I mean, the US election one means that people are thinking about politics. It means that we as church need to be, as churches need to be creating content, which is interacting. What's a biblical worldview when approaching politics? People are, you know, Donald Trump has polarized the world in reality because you you are you you can't be nonplussed by Donald Trump. He is he is you're either for him or against him. And and so the, I think that's why that US election is really really interesting because it, people are now uh, more interested I think in politics than ever. The US election had more um the most voters coming out to vote in 100 years. Um, and so people are interested in those things and, and we need to be creating, you know, Jesus centered worldview, uh, content that is going to be around that. Number three was Cal- Caroline Flack, which I find really interesting. She was the, the TV presenter that, uh, sadly, uh, committed suicide. I think was it earlier this year. I think, it, I think it must've been. It yeah. I think it was just, probably just as the pandemic time. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, that whole thing of, uh, celebrity fame but mental health as well that these are things that people are thinking about how can you know how can we create content that this is these are the things people are thinking about when we people are writing yeah searching for coronavirus symptoms you know health anxiety has gone up massively in the uk uh over the last you know few months because people are constantly worried is that symptom coronavirus have i got that have i then passed it on to a family member or will i get uh ill because of it and then coronavirus update the the need for constant news what's happening and how do we interact with the news you know i think you know i've just kind of given a lot of churches what they could do for their january series right here (laughs) you know yeah i think i think interestingly the the one around caroline flack as well was there was such a a backlash um around the media representation as well and their part that played 
in that situation. Yeah. I'm not going to pass comment because obviously I think some of it might even still be in the courts and being discussed and things out there. So, you know, we're, we're not going to, we're not making any commentary on that at all. Yes, but right. actually the, 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 the public interest to this is around media, the view, neutrality, where we get our information, what's trustworthy, how we process that filtering mental health and well-being. Like there is so much to unpack here. And in, in, in a world where pressures were already weighing and then going into pandemic and where you actually get these things from and what's trustworthy, the church has to stand out. Like Just yeah. flat out, the church has to stand out and we have to look reputable. But the church has actually taken a bashing during this entire time as well um, through some of its views and things that have come out and reports, particularly some of the Catholic Church and Church of England reports that have come out in this period. So actually there's there's something to to do there something to speak about something to input into something to um bridge that talking to people who don't come to church yet so there's there's plenty to be done and like you said it starts around content that's right so that's mine that's door number eight lee what's door number nine door number nine make a home your church okay so normally i hear make a church your home so talk about make a home your church that many of us are still um whether you know even on your tier whether you can go back to church most people actually to some degree uh, are still engaging in online uh, uh church services activities and missions and because of that we are in a place where uh, uh, our sphere of influence is slightly you know physically smaller because of who we can mingle with and what we can do actually there's a responsibility here because we still have neighbors we still have friends there are people that we do still contact actually we need to switch that around make the make a home your church actually what's distinctive about how you're doing that within your household loads of things which you could technically you know outsource actually now have come back to being solely your responsibility those of us with kids had a period this year where we were all became teachers brilliant um like actually now we're responsible for the kids work we're responsible for the youth work responsible for student ministry all out of our own home actually what is the setup how do you make a home your church and as a church how do you equip your congregation to make somebody's home a church that they can have these things in place that they can put them out that they actually have access to that content in a way that allows their home to be that place of of actually sanctuary that actually does that that's something that i think is is pivotal that we should be equipping us as 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 the larger church make a home your church and then from then when you can mix bubbles when you can do stuff how do you reach that out and invite people in because compared to online watch parties and things like that that's the next step for most people it's that small group it's the small piece it's the cup of coffee it's the conversation it's the content that you deliver make a home your church yeah, I really like that. And I think that, you know, for me, I'm I'm a, a father to two kids and I'm acutely aware that at some point I've got to answer. You know, these are questions that I can't outsource. There are questions you can't outsource about life. And the questions are going to come to me about some really big topics in life about, you know, who we are, where we come from, what we believe, these kind of things. And I, I don't want to be unprepared for that, for those questions. And so it's something that I've sought 
personally to, to do, but it's something I, that as a church in the UK, we've, we've often left un, people unprepared for was, is how can we help equip parents, but also wider than that, you know, just people in general to answer questions, you know, to their friends and, uh, and their wider family and those kind of things about some big questions in life. And so, and it's not just about, you know, apologetics, but about, you know, other things you know there'll be ethics and morality in there and and other yeah. you know you know really big hot topics which are constantly uh, you know being talked about in the news and you know you just got to turn on uh the tv and there's a a, a topic like that that's going to be talked about and we as the church need to be equipped to be able to give a good answer to those things uh, yeah i'm gonna add in right so i'm gonna give a i'm gonna give a funny example um uh, at the risk of us having to put a an R rating on a on a on our podcast is uh my daughter being asked to play Mary in the church nativity, which was we were filming the scene and then we were uploading those videos and they were all going to be stitched together to make a nativity. My daughter, one of the youngest little girls in 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 the in the church makeup, asked to play Mary, having to explain to her the Virgin Mary and what that phrase is. And it's not where we get our internet. So it was, <laughs> it's like those things come round quicker than you can imagine on explaining some of those things. Um, and I know that's, you know, that that's a funny one. That is just a parent thing anyway. Like you're going to encounter that stuff at some point. But yeah, church is out there. If you're sending stuff home and the, the kids, they are wise and they are smart and they can read from a, from the moment they started at school these days and they are switched on to all of this stuff so if you next send home a script to my six-year-old beware what language you've got in it and if it's bible verses there is no getting around it <laughs> yeah even bible verses so you know think you know give them scripture and that will be you know good wholesome content which of course it is but you might have to do some explaining which might you know not all scripture is going to be uh easy for a child to understand and it also will may not be easy for a uh, a parent to explain so <laughs> so good luck with that yeah, one so, uh, why why did it happen on the time oh, why did it happen kind of on my watch as it were why did it happen at the time when I, I that was one that i would gladly have offended to my wife to have the discussion about but no i i, I got it you said, yeah well, <laughs> well well done for that well done for that Let's go on to the final final door, uh, door number 10, and I shall open it. And my final learning is that uh, a polarised world needs a unified church. Uh, Excellent. And I am acutely aware that I feel like the world is getting more and more polarised. I'm, I'm, I'm on Twitter, as they say, and Twitter is... Uh, I actually, I, the, 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 place on, I, the place on Twitter I like is I quite like the, the football updates. I like getting those, you know, where's the new, you know, the latest signing for Arsenal coming from to save our, our terrible season. Um, well, you know, Twitter is a good place for that. Where, where it's a bad place for is uh, Christians. Um, and that is because it's just so polarized. I saw a, uh, a, I saw tweets the other, just the other day of a well-known American female speaker who spoke up against uh, Trump and Trumpism and the, what she got for, for saying that 
was someone uh, decided to curse her womb. You know, this is a, a purported Christian who decided to, to say those words on Twitter. And you just think, wow, for someone for saying something that they think is important. Now, I, I think that we need to be, you know, the church needs to be known for its love and for, you know, look how it loves, how look how they love one another and that to be our main thing. So, and that means that we're going to disagree because, but we always have that one thing in common and and we're not going to have the same theology on on things. And we, yeah. you know, even you and I have probably different points on the theological, you know, we're not exactly at the same place in our theology about, you know, where we are currently on on certain things. And that's fine because what we have is we have, we have Jesus in common and that's that that must be enough you know and I'm, that I, matters yeah yeah completely and you know just thinking about you know the the world that we're in and you know you know with with this uh, with this speaker talking about trumpism and i think like like i said earlier i think trump has become the most polarizing force in the world at the moment um uh, especially this year and and people's support or lack of support has caused such strong reactions amongst yeah. Christians that it's 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 device you know it's almost it's it's become a, a divisive thing whether you whether you support or don't support and I'm not trying to tell you whether you should or shouldn't that's you know don't hear what I'm not saying uh, yeah I think that's the most important thing it's actually we we can have views that don't match up actually the the issue comes if i try to put that upon you impress that on you mandate it like actually you've got to a point where you've got your view i'm more interested in how you got there rather than why your view is different to mine because actually that that's the bit that makes it human that's the bit that can draw us together is the understanding of each other and you will have your reasons why you've made your choices Actually, there's there's probably more wisdom in understanding that, but that that's not necessarily the easiest thing to teach. Yeah, and I mean, just you know, I, I'm reminded of Jesus's prayer in in John, where he says he prays that you know he prays for people like us that you know haven't heard his words in person, but have believed through the message, you know, that of him that they would be one and. I think that's more and more we need a, a unified church that will, will that show its oneness more than its disagreement. Um, I think that that's I think that's one of the best ways that we are going to make a worldwide difference is is that thing of wow they I'm not sure I agree with everything they believe necessarily and I disagree with them on this point and this point and this point but wow look at how they love one another and that's got to be shown on Twitter that's got to be shown on Facebook that's got to be shown on TikTok, you know, that's got to be shown in the news that, and we're just, you know, I think we we as Christians have been too much part of polarizing us, polarizing Christians. Christians are just, we're good at bashing yeah. Christians and we're not good at, at being one. And, and I know that sounds really fluffy and hippie, um, but it's not meant to be it. I think it's, it's crucial for, uh for the church to be what the church is meant to be and that means we're not going to agree on things but we need to our unity has got to speak way louder than our disagreement yeah absolutely i am 
totally in there. Totally. I agree. There we go. There we go. Well, that we wasn't just a display of you. I was trying to think of like a a, a non a non terrible way to say that that was kind of like agreement and unity on that. But actually, no that that is it. We can we can agree the principles by which we would do all of those things. Um, actually, it still allows differences of opinion, which is fine. So, yeah, and, and yeah. I think you know this does come into a local church you know context because and it's not just an individual christian on twitter thing because churches can be easily you know you can you can easily start bashing the church down the street because it believes something different to you on often a marginal theological point and and actually the people in your church and what you you know what is said from the stage or the pulpit in your church there should be much more love towards every other church in your vicinity than there is ever critique or criticism in fact you probably shouldn't you probably on the stage should never give a critique of another church in fact don't ever give a critique of another church from your stage just so because unity has got to speak louder than than criticism and it's got to speak absolutely um and and i think that's going to be yeah that's vital yeah well i think that's that's probably everything i can say on on that one so that's it that's what, the 10 what, what what a great 10 that's a good 10 like so we, we have done neither uh an advent countdown nor a 12 days of christmas but let's face it 12 days of christmas comes not before christmas so let's not let's not go down that and, road and you've got to deal with pipers piping and drummers drumming and swans swimming and geese lay i mean there's a lot of things that you're gonna have to deal with on the 12 days of christmas um yeah I mean, yeah. that's I, that's a lot of coordination. That's going to need a lot of work and a lot of money invested to, you know, just think of the amount of admin staff you're going to need to get that sorted. <laughs> maybe maybe we'll do a bonus too between uh, now and New Year or something like that. So if, creating if, if a plan. So creating a strategic plan for the 12 days of Christmas because, you know, who's going to hire those uh, dancers dancing and the... Um, well, as I've worked out the other day in a quiz, this is this is a lot of items. It was like how many things did the true love give? And it was like actually I was like sort of like twelve plus eleven plus ten plus nine plus eight all the way down to plus one. It's like no, it's it's on the first day you get one thing, but by the twelfth day you're getting all of the things. But the days before that you've got eleven plus all the others, then ten plus all the others. So that's actually right. it's like 370 something like items in total. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's just, that just sounds like a headache. Cause uh, yeah, it will be 12 partridges in pear trees. So 12 partridges, 12 pear trees plus, yeah. you know, uh, so two turtle doves times 11. So 22 turtle doves. I'm not going to go through the whole, all of this. I mean, there's a lot yeah, of items. I, I, I did. I did work it out on the night what 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 maths equation it was, and like you know, delved deep into my brain, back to my uni days and my A levels, and, and and pulled out what mathematical is equation it, it was to actually work that out. Is it the um, but, uh, twelve exponential? The twelve with the exclamation mark? Is that the one? Is that yeah, twelve factorial? Factorial. That's it. Yes, and then because yes, the twelve exclamation mark because that's twelve times eleven times ten times nine all the way to one, and that would be the amount. So yeah. That's a lot. Yeah, but then also, yeah, the the the, the, the sum of anyway, yeah. Let's not get into that because uh, this this does not make great 
listening. I think people uh, love this. <laughs> I think this is again, this is what people really come for. They come for the ram the random ramblings of of you and I around Christmassy things. And I think that's delightful. Right. Shall we call well, it there? I, I'm off. Yeah, I'm off to think about uh rest and relaxation to calm kids down in uh their their little care bubble that's happening downstairs. Um yeah, they're they they're they're not on their own, by the way, while I came into the podcast. My <laughs> wife is down there with our children and and <laughs> and a friend. Uh uh, uh, doing the childcare thing, so uh, it, it's all okay. It's all okay. No children were harmed in the making of this podcast. Right on that one. On that note, we'll we'll leave it there. Thank you again, Lee. I will see you again next year. We'll do. We'll start a podcast up next year. Woo! I'm so, I am so excited for it. I am I am I am now ready. I am ready for this. Awesome. Right. Take care. Take care. Cheers. Bye. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode. And don't forget that you can send in your thoughts, comments, uh, discussions for whatever we've talked about. Uh, Just drop us an email, podcast at thinking.church. And we'd love to be able to read it out on the show. Uh, We'll be back with another podcast next week. So stay tuned for that. Uh, We will see you soon. Bye for now.